Welcome to episode 140 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Derek... Uh, the Flippin' Heck. Uh, what was Mun. that? Derek Flippin' Heck Mun, he's I'm guessing Flippin' Heck Mun! Is that, is that a Nino Kuni 2 thing? It's, uh, it's Lofty from Nino Kuni 2. Uh, is he Welsh again? I can't really tell, but he loves to say yeah. Flippin' Heck all the I time. Think, I think he's Welsh. He's the new Mr. Drippy. Fenner, what is it that uh, Drippy was so fond of saying? I'm bricking it. I'm bricking it. Yeah. I'm bricking it. Anyway, uh, hey guys, I'm bricking it as well. I'm Derek Kingsburg and Embryon on the... No, I'm not Embryon on the boards. I mean, I am, but like that's not relevant anymore. I am uh, at EmbryonX on Twitter if you want to follow my weird um, presence, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) All right. All right. Welcome to the show. We're definitely going to talk about Nino Kuni too, because you're not the only one that played it. We also have Caitlin Argyros who played it. Oh, I don't get a nickname? Oh, God. Uh, Caitlin, Master of the Higgledees, Argyros. <laughs> okay. Yes, I approve of that one. Yes, because they are, they're super cute. Hi, guys. Lane Cazarel on, well, on Twitter and the boards if you go there anymore. I don't know. It's a hard habit to break. I'm going to feel like, I'm going to say that every time we start the podcast. I know, right? Yeah. Do we just not have boards anymore? Is that what happens? I mean, we do, but who goes there? Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is everybody on the the Discord? Is that the thing to be on these we days? Do. We do have a Discord now. Oh, okay. See, I'm just thinking Discord from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, who is voiced by uh, John Delancey. So that's that's all I think. Whenever we get there. Well, that's a good segue to introduce the next person on the podcast today, uh, I right? Guess we'll go, I guess we'll go with uh, Mike. You really like uh, Rainbow Dash Salbato. That's really my nickname. <laughs> I'm not very creative, but is it accurate? You are a rainbow, Mike. Whatever you say, rainbow crash. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, with that introduction, um, I'm Mike Salbato. I'm Mike on the boards, if you use the boards. Otherwise, I'm Tessara on Discord. All right. All right. right. And then last but not least, we have uh, Robert the Silvercase Fenner. Oh boy, yeah, that's not a nickname that I want. <laughs> but uh, I guess that uh, I guess that fits this week. It's me, your friend, Misanthrobob on Twitter, and I, I can't remember what my name is on Discord. I'm so out of touch with modern technology that you kids are all talking about. But I'm here. Thank you for having me. Aren't you younger than me? Um, I think we're we're both 33. I think. Okay, I'll be 33 in July. Ha ha! Look at that. Yeah. Well, you did get one thing right. You are my friend. You're our friend. No. Stop. A collective friend. Who just went to a Cupcake the Rapper show? Hell yeah. She uh, (laughs) she she was turned. I'm certain that she was turned at her concert. Yes. The hell does turned mean? Turned up, like for Jesus or otherwise. (laughs) When you're, it's when you're (laughs) drunk. Oh, oh, is that what the young people are talking about? Rob doesn't know. 
what drunk is. Yeah, have, well, Rob doesn't know what young people are doing. He only teaches at a boarding school. Yeah, but, like, the whole... Okay, when, when like, new phrase... Like, what was the new one? Somebody came up with extra the other day. They were like, Steinman, that's came so extra. Up what do you mean like, came up with? <laughs> well, like, they, I don't know where this stuff is created. It's like when the whole dabbing thing became a problem. It's like when, when somebody did a dab, and I was like, did you just do the Ginyu Force thing from Dragon Ball Z? And they all looked at me, and I was like, here, let me show you. And I like I showed him a video from a 1980s anime, and they were just like, oh, I guess that is dabbing. But like, what oh. what is like that? What did they say to me? They were like, Steinman, that's so extra. And I was well, just that's a, that's that's drag slang. Is yeah. it really? Yeah, no, it's, no it's when you're like being over the top for dabbing. Oh, okay, I don't understand the dabbing thing. Though. Don't like, forget about lit when it gets lit. When it gets moist. Yeah, that's also, uh, yeah, so we have lit, and then I have friends who decided that they were going to try to, like, move a step ahead, and so they're calling things wet now, because, like, yeah. So surprise, like, surprise, guys, this is our new podcast, Slang Encounter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's what, what yeah. the young people are talking about. What what are the young people interested in? It should be a pretty wet show, fam. Oh, Jesus. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, I want to hear about Nino Kuni 2 because this is a game that I have been somewhat excited about because I wanted to love Nino Kuni 1. It came out, it was um, uh, disappointing, I think is fair to say, and Nino Kuni 2 looks much, much better. And the verdict is? It is much, much, much better. better. Yay! Okay, we're good. We can move on to Yakuza 6. Uh, so- <laughs> All right, Nino Kuni two, give it to me. What? Why is this so much better? Uh, well, Derek, who wants to go first? Uh, I guess I'll start. So, Caitlin and I have both had the uh, distinct pleasure of being able to play Nino Kuni two pre-release. I reviewed it for my other outlet, and Kate, uh, Caitlin is playing it for RPG Fan right now. Yay! And it seems like we've got pretty similar thoughts on how the game is. I uh, I actually finished it this weekend. Um, at about 45 hours in the clock when I saw the credits roll. So it's um, a little bit more brisk than you might imagine. I mean, I know 45 hours is still a pretty long time, but for like an epic world-spanning RPG, sometimes you imagine these things are going to last until the 60, 70, 80 hours. So um, I think the length is just right. Um, not the first time I've said that this weekend. So Nino Kuni 2, I think, hey. is a vast improvement <laughs> over Nino Kuni 1 in so many ways. Um, the the only thing that I guess it's missing in air quotes would be the involvement with Studio Ghibli, so they no longer have the hand drawn um, animated cutscenes. Although I'm I'm actually very interested in hearing your guys' opinions because when I came into the the Google Hangouts call to record the podcast, I heard some pretty negative opinions toward the original's animation style. What's up with that? Oh no 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 no! Um, I wasn't talking about the 2D animation. I was talking I was. about the 3D animation. <laughs> Which which looked good at the time, but I've been rewatching cutscenes just to compare and to make sure my memory about the original wasn't totally like messed up. And by today's standards, the 3D animation looks kind of not the best, but I mean, hey, it was on a PS3, so what do you expect? Yeah. Well, Fenner, what were you saying about the 2D, uh, just like that they're limited animation frames or what? Yeah, very, very limited frames. And, you know, when you when you invoke the name of Studio Ghibli, um, you expect like some of the best animation in the business. And um, they I would hesitate to say that they brought their A game for Nino Kuni one. I thought that um, from like an animation cells perspective, everything looked really nice. Um, But the level of animation was like choppy in the way like a mm. 70s Gundam series was. So it, I wondered exactly how much involvement Studio Ghibli actually had other than, you know, getting Joe Hisashi and um, the character designer whose name uh, escapes me at the moment. 
uh, and putting their name on it. Um, mm. It, yeah, it didn't seem like they were fully there, and that's understandable. But. That's fair. Yeah, it's also sort of like a different allocation of resources because this was a long mm. video game instead of a, a film that had a more, uh, I would say, concentrated kind of development focus. I don't really mm. know. How to I, that, thought, I thought the first game looked great, but I couldn't. Yeah. It did look really I, good. I just couldn't get over the way that the game was just, uh, uh, what's the technical term? Not fun. I, right. I couldn't, <laughs> yeah. get over the, I couldn't get over the whole like, oh, here's a combat scenario and I'm dead. Oh. Um, yeah. You have to grind for 20 hours to get to the next plot point because it's that unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the combat, and that was, that was what really turned me off and made me pass it by. Me too, which is why I'm glad it's been rectified in the sequel. Um, Rob, I remember you saying, Rob Steinman, you were saying before, I think it was you who, were sa- who was saying that, like the combat in you know, Kuni 1, because you're controlling a character who is controlling a familiar, it was kind of like playing a game of telephone where your message got distorted by the time it got to your familiar. Cause you'd hit, you'd say attack and they kind of like path over awkwardly to it, to the yeah, enemy and yeah. then eventually start swinging. I think I said something along those lines at some point. Uh, yeah. And they would, they would go over or they would like, you would tell them to heal you or do their own thing. And you'd take like one hit, like you'd go from like 45 HP to 42 and then they would automatically use all of their MP to heal you. And it's like, no, no, what do you, <laughs> Like it felt like the AI in that game was just brick stupid. Like mm-hmm. it just wasn't it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And it, as a kind of would we even say the first game was an action RPG? Like I think it was. I mean, it was action. Yeah, you had you yeah. had full. It's kind of hybrid. Your character yeah. as you moved around yeah. the battlefield, but yeah. Um, so I think that that lack of tactile input is what I was really hoping would be rectified in the battle system for Ninokuni Two, and I think it totally has been. It feels so much better. That's really um, nice to hear. Your characters it's... have full range of movement. You can like dodge. You can hold down a block button. You have light and heavy melee attacks. You have a ranged attack, and you can kind of like dash around and do rolls while you're doing that. Um, you have spells, and everything executes when you press the button to execute it. There's no like, oh, hey, I want to suggest that you do this thing. Why don't you do that? <laughs> what is with that in modern gaming, though? We're like, I, I, I'm going to bring it up later when we're talking about Yakuza 6 a little bit, but like, what is it about modern gaming where like you press a button and the character doesn't automatically do what you tell them to do? Like, even just bringing up a menu sometimes, or like, Final Fantasy 15 was really bad about this. Like, oh, I want to go in here. Oh, wait, I have to press the button again. Like, what? Is that just because games are getting stuck in animation loops or something, but it's like, ah, it's driving me nuts with modern games. So um, just as long as we're on the topic of combat, I think it is a lot more fun and much, much improved from the previous game. And something I want to get Kaylin's perspective on as well is I think that the game skews very easy for probably about two thirds of it. Yes. Uh, Yes. Uh, It's, it's too easy. And if I'm saying it's too easy, I'm the kind of person who I'm happy to play on normal and I will bump difficulty down for a hard boss without feeling, you know, like, oh, my superiority has been tarnished or whatnot. Um, if I say it's too easy, it's too easy. Um, I, I, I want a hard mode for this game. Mm-hmm. And the, the unfortunate thing is there are good challenges. Um, some of the major bosses are good and challenging. The tainted monsters, which are like Nino Kuni's um, unique monsters to borrow from Xenoblade. They're just super powerful random enemies that you run into and you hunt. They're challenging. Um, there are 
these uh, randomized mazes called uh, dreamers doors that you can go into where enemies will gradually get more powerful the more time you spend in the maze. And you can artificially make it more challenging by just wasting time or taking as much time as you please. Mm -hmm. So that can be nice and challenging, but regular enemies die, just they melt in front of you. And I think maybe I'm getting to that point where it's starting to tick up a little bit. I'm right at the beginning of chapter six and Mm -hmm. I felt like enemies in the last dungeon at the end of five were starting to feel a little bit more challenging, but still ultimately you know, yeah, it, it's it's a little too easy in my opinion. It's fun. It is totally fun. Mm-hmm. I love the combat system, but I would I wouldn't mind having a difficulty option for the game in general. Yeah, and I think what makes it so easy, at least uh, in the very beginning, and for for a while after that, even, is that you have a lot of complementary systems that can make your characters stronger that you can leverage in combat. Um, and it's so easy to kind of exploit all of those, especially early on. That enemies just can't stand a chance because if you can do like you have three weapons equipped to each character and you can toggle between them manually or there's actually like an automatic and a semi-automatic option that'll let you um, cycle between them to whichever one has the highest zing. And zing is like a, a little resource that's per weapon. And once it hits 100%, it's just like a number. When it hits 100%, the next skill you execute will be powered up in some way. So like Roland has a, a big wide horizontal slash. And if your zing is at 100%, he does like a second cross vertical slash after it. So it's so pretty. Yeah. And it, it builds up so quickly that you, it's not like it's something that I constantly had my hand. I, I had it on semi-automatic and I rarely, if ever changed manually just because I didn't feel the need to. So like, okay, so that's constantly ticking up and maybe you're getting charge on your other weapons and you're going to unleash that all the time. Then you have um, Higgledies, which are the little adorable sprites that look kind of like the forests. What are they? Were they just called forest sprites and princess Mononoke? Uh, well, Kodamas, right? they were Kodama. Oh, okay. Yes. So they look kind of like them and they're the adorable little spirits that you, um, you can equip four of them, uh, in your party lineup, but basically like you have your party of three characters and then you have four Higgledies. Each of the Higgledies will summon their own little troop alongside them. And they're all aspected different element and have different abilities and stuff. There are a hundred Higgledies in the game to collect. So each one has a different move layout, but you have four little units of those running around independently of what your three characters are doing. <laughs> and then, like, you can execute attacks based on whatever um, whatever their uh, unique abilities are. Like, you can run into a little circle of them. You can press the X button, and then they'll do that. So, like, not only do you have a full arsenal of two t- two, t- excuse me, two types of attacks, a ranged attack, which you can also charge up, and your palette of four skills, you also have a second layer to those with the zing. You have your higgledies, and then you can also go into, like, an awakened state that does even more... Um, like it lets you unleash attacks for no MP costs. Yeah, there's just like there are so many ways that you can just rip enemies apart, uh, especially in the beginning of the game. That I, I almost felt like I was being cheated out of the strategic possibility of the battle system because I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I want to experiment with all this stuff," but like, what's the point? So I found yeah. that I didn't really alter my setup that much until much later in the game, and it does have a pretty significant curve, I think. And the reason why is because when you have access to the kingdom mode, which we'll talk about more in a minute, um, that's like the town building mode. You can do things like develop, um, you know, weapons or armor, or you can strengthen your spells and stuff. And I think there's a point where they're like, okay, you really need to start taking advantage of this because if you don't, then you're going to fall behind. But up until I would say like two thirds of the way through the game, you can get by on just whatever drops you scavenge from enemies 
and you don't really have to do that much alteration of your setup. So yeah, it does skew easy, but it, it does get harder. Like it got hard enough towards the end that I actually, like my palms were sweating during the final boss because it was <laughs> enough of a challenge. So. Well, good. I'm good. Yeah. To hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. English. Yeah. That's I speak okay. it. So uh, I think the other main aspect of Nino Kuni 2 that definitely needs discussing is the kingdom mode because it is built around that both thematically and mechanically. So Caitlin, I forget, when does kingdom mode unlock? Like chapter three or so? Uh, you can actually start building your kingdom in chapter four. You you found it technically in chapter three, as in you, like you, you set up the encampment, but you can't actually start making facilities and assigning people until chapter four, which okay. is also when side quests open up and that's a whole another time waster there that oh, also yeah. feeds back into kingdom building. It's it's nice to see how the, the system gets um, integrated throughout the game. It's not just, you know, by itself. It affects combat and side quests will feed back into it and help you build up your kingdom. So it's yes. cool. Yeah, so I I cannot get enough of this kingdom mode. I think it is so freaking well executed. It is the most fun I've had with a base building system since Suikoden or Skies of Arcadia. Um, So just to make it clear, because I think I wasn't quite sure what to expect from the kingdom mode before I played the game, I almost expected a fully customizable base that I could like place stuff wherever I wanted, a la maybe Dark Cloud. Yeah, me too. but what it is, is it's, you have a kingdom that you, basically you have four ranks and at each rank, your kingdom expands further out and you just have more plots available to you. Each of those plots always has to be the same thing. So like, you know, I expand out and then my first plot right next to my castle has to be the armor and the one next to it has to be the weapon shop. And then there's more stuff like there's a lot of other facilities that you can build, like like a spell laboratory but there are also things like the Explorer's Guild, which if you invest in it, you can move faster on the world map. Or there's like a shipyard where you can make your ship um, stealth around and enemies won't aggro while you're out sailing. So there are lots and lots and lots of utilities. And it's up to you to decide in what order you want to develop those utilities. But you can't like fully customize the layout of the town, if that makes sense. And I'm okay with that. I would rather That's have... A little, like A little like Bastion or... Um... Like, um, like Soccer Frontier 2 kind of tried to attempt something similar. And then okay. because Akitoshi, Akitoshi Kawazu's games are just a mess, it kind of just like it let you build your town and then nothing really ever happened after that. Okay. I don't remember that in Soccer Frontier 2, but I also never beat it or anything. Um, yeah. So I think the customization is less design and more intent. Like, what, what do you want your town to do first? Because while you're playing Nino Kuni 2, you're constantly accumulating this currency called King's Guilders. And it's it's in all in real time. It does not accumulate when the game is off, only when it's on. So basically, like the more money you put into your town, the higher its influence. And the higher its influence, which is just a stat, the more money you make per, you know, second, per minute, whatever. So it's kind of like cookie clicker. <laughs> so oh <laughs> so while you're doing stuff I'll you know I'll like I'll spend all my king skilders and I'll be like all right I'm going to invest in these fixtures that give me a lot of influence then I'm going to head out for a while and then come back to my town and see what I can build next and then you have to also research stuff at your facilities so it's not enough to just build the spell laboratory you have to research spell level 1 and then that takes like 40 real life minutes so that's taking down while you're doing other stuff so there's like this push and pull of work on your town for a bit go adventure work on your town for a bit go adventure and because pretty much all of the side quests, well, I'd say like over half of them, are tied to getting new villagers, which, by the way, every single one has a unique name, character model, illustration, and skill. So it's nice. like end or, or whatever, where it's not just generic NPCs, like everybody's special and has their own little story. 
Um, as you're out acquiring characters through side quests, you bring them back and you can just put them in your facilities. Like, oh, this person's good at harvesting fish. So I'll put them in the, the you know, the wharf or whatever it's called, fish market. And they'll passively acquire fish for me that I can collect when I come back to town. So like, as Kayla, uh, Caitlin was saying, there's just this amazing interplay between the systems where everything is like, this feeds into that and that feeds into this and none of it feels disparate. It's all linked together in a way that feels natural and it's very, very rewarding, I think, to invest in. Definitely. I'm and, good things. and I think at this point, it's, it's worth mentioning because you have to come back to your kingdom to uh, empty your coffers and to build or upgrade facilities. And you can, you can also upgrade facilities. So the look of your kingdom changes as you both upgrade the kingdom level, which is what helps you expand and build new facilities. And also as you level up facilities, they, they get more modern looking and they get bigger and grander. And by the mm-hmm. end, uh, Derek, I'm sure your kingdom looks so much better than mine. <laughs> Um, it's big, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're constantly <laughs> wanting to come back so you can do those things. Nino Kuni 2 has a really generous fast travel system in place. You get access to it very quickly, basically after the tutorial section of the game. You can fast travel from almost anywhere in the game as long as you're not like in combat or a cutscene. Uh, dungeons have uh, tons of little sub areas that you can travel to, so you can usually instantly get pretty close to where you need to go for any quest or side quests or what have you. And it's, it never really feels like, Oh, I'm, I'm super going to have to go out of my way to jump back to the kingdom to get my money and my gathering items and do this. And I'm going to lose so much time having to backtrack to where I was in whatever dungeon I am. Nope. It's usually nice and fast. And aside from a loading screen, it's very painless. And, and to the point where, like, they, they gave you a button shortcut for it. If you yes. if you press start, you access the map. If you hold down start, you access the world map with all the fast travel points. And then if you hold down start and press triangle, you go to your kingdom like that. So it's not, you don't even have to, like, navigate through menus to do it. You just press a couple of buttons in sequence and you're there, which I think is fantastic. That's really also, handy. crucial, crucial, you can walk around the kingdom on foot once you've built it. Ah! I, I love that, but... Nice. My the thing I hate about it is that you're in shibby mode when you do that. Yeah, it's I, like a world map kind of, not a. I really wish you could walk around it like you can the other major cities and get that sort yeah, of full perspective. That that would have been really nice, but I mean, I understand that was probably meant to facilitate being able to instantly jump into manage mode no matter where you are. It wouldn't work yeah. if you had to shift between viewpoints because you'd have to load and whatnot. So it's a, it's a minor yeah. thing, but. Yeah, but it's so cute. Oh two, two quick questions. Uh, either of you playing on PC? No, PS4. No, PS4. Okay, I just I get nervous about performs great. Okay, I, yeah. I, no issues. I, I'll probably you... get it. I've um I've seen it running on PC. Um, I won't say where. Uh, but it seems to run very well. Okay, I just get nervous. Like I was uh on Caitlin's recommendation, I fired up Rise of the Tomb Raider, which was running fine on my PC, except in one area where the frame rate just like fell apart and i look online and everyone's like yep that one area is pretty messed up and i'm going huh they should probably do something about that and then i was remembering near automata and i was like yeah they should probably do something about that as that game's still completely screwed on pc so i I don't know i get nervous on pc ports sometimes especially from developers that aren't known for pc games so i get a little Mm. little i i hope it's good i've Uh, I've okay. seen some occasional frame drops in 4K mode on PS4 Pro um, that largely seem to have to do with the camera. I'm not sure if they're 100% drops or maybe they're frame pacing issues, but 
um, there's been a little bit of stuckiness like that. And when I, when I turn 4K mode off, it's, it's super buttery smooth. So there's a little bit of that on PS4 Pro. Okay, um, okay. I have to imagine on a PC, you know, with the right specs, 4K is just absolutely flawless. Namco Bandai have a pretty good track record of PC ports lately. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the Dark Souls 3 port was really good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, the other question, and maybe you guys will yell at me and say we can't answer that or we don't want to answer <laughs> that. Is this connected to Nino Kuni 1? It's set in the same, it's the same other world, but it's, okay. it takes place, what, centuries yeah. after yeah. the original game. I haven't seen any, like, direct connections in terms of characters or story events yet, but of course I haven't beaten it, so I don't mm. know if maybe there are hints later on. But I would say if you never play the original or if you never beat the original, like yours truly, um, don't worry about feeling yeah. lost. This is totally meant to be a game that anyone can jump into, even you know if they've yep. never played the game before. Or- I would almost say just skip the first one on principle. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about firing up the first one again. No. I was like, is there an easy mode on that game? And Derek was like, no. don't even bother. No, this one, yeah, I mean, I have beaten it, and I don't want to, like, say one way or another too much, but uh, don't worry about it. Okay, okay. I I mean, I... Nino Kuni 1 really let me down. I remember waiting for that damn special edition because it was so bad. Like they the yeah. I can't remember what shipping company they were using, but that was a an Oh, was it the uh, Digital River? Yeah. It was. I had to wait like a month and I couldn't like get a confirmation that I even had it while people's orders were just being like canceled left and right. Uh, And then when I got it and I fired it up and I was super excited and Jackie and I were like, we'd only been dating for a little bit. And she was like, Oh, are you really excited? I'm like, yeah. And then like within an afternoon, I was like, I don't like this. No, it's so disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think you'll be disappointed with the second one. I do think Rob, you specifically will be like, why is this so easy? But, um, It'll get there. Uh, you know what's what's weird is that easy doesn't really bother me anymore. Uh, I'm actually getting okay with a game being easy. Uh, case in point, and everyone's going to groan a little bit because I've been talking about it endlessly on Slack. Uh, Bayonetta 2 is definitely easier than Bayonetta 1, and that's one of the reasons why it's better. Like, it, it is a better game because it is more comfortable to play, and it is more fun, and it is more interested with giving you a good experience than the, you know, Devil May Cry 3 American version. This game's really hard, and you should love it. And it's like... It's also got those wonderful accessibility options. Um, yeah. For, like, one-handed mode for disabled gamers. That's Absol- great. Absolutely. And, like, there's an actual, like, progression of difficulty. Like, hard is significantly tougher than normal. And then you have the very hard mode, which is much, much tougher than hard mode. Like, that's great. But, like, if I get thrown into a game and I just get ground into the dirt from the very start, that's maybe going to turn me off. And I am uh, the first... A Resident Souls fan here. But, but, <laughs> but, like, but I'm the first person to admit that if somebody says, oh, which Souls game should I start first? I always say you should start the third one. Because the third one is probably the most accessible and the most fun from the very start. Dark Souls 1 is pretty uncompromising. And I think Bloodborne is even harder in that respect at the start. So I would say start with Dark Souls 3. Like Demon Souls wasn't terribly hard at the start. It was Souls it was Dark Souls 1 that was like we're going to turn the the hard up to 11 from the very start. And I can definitely see why people bounce off of that, but it's also mm-hmm. If your game is just hard for hard sake, and I, I do have a problem with Hideki Kamiya when it comes to that, Bayonetta 1 has no reason to be as hard as it is at the start of the game. Like, you get 
stronger weapons as the game goes on and the game gets more fun as a result. But then I'm just sitting there going, why was the beginning so tough? You guys remember Beautiful Joe? Like how hard that game is at the start when you don't know how to play it. And it gets really, really fun. But if you don't use all your abilities correctly, you will just die over and over in that game. And it doesn't teach you how to play it. And mm-hmm. so there, there's something to be said for like, oh, I gained an appreciation and I learned how to play the game. But if you stomp a mud hole into my ass from the very start, I might just walk away from it. Like, <laughs> that's quite an image. Yeah, really yeah, is. yeah. So uh, Nino Kuniti is not that hard. Um, and I, you know, I don't remember if I said this at the beginning of the podcast proper since we were discussing a little bit in pre-show. But Nino Kuniti tells a complete story. Did I say that already? Uh, uh, we were talking in the pre-show no. about that. So okay, I'm I'm really really pleased. Um, so, Caitlin, I, I hope you'll agree when you get there, but I find that Nino Kuni 2 is a complete narrative from start to finish, and that I didn't I didn't feel like, oh, I you know, I wish they'd patch in XYZ via DLC. Now, I didn't know, unless I would have researched, I would have had no idea that they're releasing two expansion packs or whatever with side story stuff or like additional story, whatever they're gonna end up calling it. I had no idea because the game just feels like it doesn't need it and I wasn't looking for it. You know what I mean? I'm like certain other games out there um, <laughs> that are continuing to be patched and will be patched for another year and still don't have a complete story that's cohesive. But um, yeah, and you know, can you too, I just really, I, I felt like I went on that journey and I felt like it resolved um, to my satisfaction by the end of it. If I have a complaint, it's that I think some of the characters are underdeveloped. Uh, well, but that's about it. Right there. Well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like uh, from the pre-release materials, you, the main three that you see are Evan, Roland, and Tawny, the little bandit girl. I feel like Tawny's kind of pointless. She doesn't really oh, do anything. But Tawny's so cute. She is so cute, cute, but she doesn't do anything. She doesn't. I love, I love Tawny. I will protect Tawny. I will defend Tawny. You, you can like her all you she want. She to be cute. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's fine. I like her just fine, but she just doesn't really seem to have a big role in the story. She's just kind of like along for the ride. So that's happened with other characters in other games before, and it's not anything new. But um, I think that's an area that they could stand to expand on with DLC. So, um, yeah, I just, man, I love Nino Kuni too. I don't want to be hyperbolic about it, but there have been a couple of games this year that have really surprised me. And, you know, I expected to like Nino Kuni too, but I didn't expect to totally fall head over heels for it. I think it is fantastic, and I can't wait for everybody else to play it. If I really... Sorry, go ahead, Caitlin. If there's one DLC I really want, it's for them to add more voice acting in. They, it, there's not enough voice acting in the game. There I'm isn't. Sorry. No, it's it's got a uh, Trails of Cold Steel syndrome where like oh, worse than Trails of Cold Steel. Yeah, where for some reason they're just they're like voice two lines in a conversation, and then the rest will be unvoiced. It's like uh, okay. Yeah, the first game it's, had that issue as well, if I remember correctly. It, it must be a budget thing. Uh, yeah. well, Derek, it went completely over my head. What game were you making fun of that didn't that needed DLC content because it wasn't fully complete? Oh no, Which fifteen one? bitch, you know that. Uh, no, I wasn't sure because there's a lot of games that, that I feel that way about. So. Yeah, no, FF fifteen for goddamn sure. Speaking uh, of which, the the new Royal Pack that came out is uh, decent, but like shouldn't be paid content. <laughs> and if all that story would have been there in the very beginning, I would have been a lot happier. But you know, so it goes with Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, I just wish that combat was fun. Uh. It is to a point. It, it's not. <laughs> You're not. You're I, not. Uh, okay. Well, Caitlin, do you have any concluding thoughts on Nino Kuni 2? I think I've said my piece. Um, I mean, we talked about Kingdom. We talked about combat. Um, we were talking about the animated stuff from 
the original Nino Kuni. And I think it's kind of interesting to me because, you know, Studio Ghibli not being involved, there are no animated cutscenes in this one. But I almost don't think it needs it because Level 5's uh, cel-shaded uh, stuff here is just, it's super flawless. It's beautiful. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, there are times when you could be, you could be forgiven for thinking, wait a second, is that is it animated? It almost looks like it. So it, it's nice. And that, you know, the nice thing about that is that you don't have to worry about that transition between in-game graphics and, and hand-drawn animation that sometimes can be a little awkward. So um, it's really, it's a beautiful freaking game. Um, I've had my, my jaw drop at some of the, the, uh, the places that I've gone just looking super bright and colorful and charming and it all works in the game and it all sort of has that whimsical feel to it that you expect from a a Studio Ghibli game or a film rather. Studio Ghibli making video games so that would be something. But um I'm excited. Yeah. I really want to play this. I, I, it was like I was afraid to ask Derek about it. Like I, and I finally got up the courage. I was like, "Is it good?" And he's like, sure. "Yes, yes, it's it so is." Um, it's, oh, it's and it should be because that first game was so troubled, uh, and this mm-hmm. game's development cycle was also quite troubled. Um, I just, I had had no hype for this at all. I was just, you know, completely ready to write it off. But hearing. Uh, such strong cases from both of you as to um, why it's uh, a very, very worthy uh, early 2018 game. I'm quite excited to check it out firsthand now. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Also, um, Joe say she returned for the score. So even though Studio Ghibli isn't involved in the animation, it's still his music. Um, the main theme from Nino Kuni 1 is back, and that was like my favorite track. So they reuse that as a motif a few times, and I like it a lot. Um, I think the main battle theme is kind of weak, but that's just sort of the nature of I feel like his compositions don't really suit a game video games. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. They just don't. So is it as infuriating as the first game's combat song? No, it's better. It's better than that. Yeah. It's not a low, that's not a high bar to clear. Right. It's just not like, Ooh my God, I can't, you know, I I can't really remember a lot of, like I couldn't hum it to you right now. All I remember is the sort of beginning, like do, 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 do. And that's all like, so anyway, yeah. uh, Audio visually, I think it definitely, more than stands up to the predecessor. Cool, cool. Well, yeah. look forward to it, you guys. I think it's great. Yeah, it comes out the twenty third, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Sweet. All right. I guess I'll get a copy. Uh, so I was busy with uh, Yakuza Six: The Song of Life, the uh, final game in uh, Kiryu Kazuma's story. I made it a point. And, Go ahead. and the premier baby shaking simulator since uh, babysitting mama on the Wii. Wow. I did. Yes. I mean, you shake the baby gently and, and <laughs> beat Takeshi awesome. throws a baby. Oh God. Oh. Uh, he does beat Takeshi does throw a baby. Um, <gasps> that's in a trailer. Uh, it, it's I, I made it a point in my review to point out that Kiryu is the last name and Kazuma is the first name because the internet seems to not understand that. There's actually a part in the game where they just flat out explain it, which I, I thought was kind of cute. Uh, but yes, this is the last uh, story for Kiryu. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I think I gave it I gave it an 85 on the site. Um, but I think it's going to be a divisive game for a lot of fans. I know a lot of people had played the uh, the import version of it, and uh, the fans seem pretty mixed on it. It is definitely... I didn't want to say this in the review because it would evoke too much, but I think it's fair to say it on the podcast where I can explain it in greater detail. You remember how San Andreas to Grand Theft Auto 4, like we you lost, lost me. 
Yeah, no, but like we lost a lot of systems, we lost a lot of mini games, and we made a much more focused, better looking game with Grand Theft Auto Four. Yeah, that's kind of what happened here with Yakuza Zero to Yakuza Six. So a lot of mini games. Yeah, a lot of mini games have been taken out. A lot of the combat's been toned down a little bit, streamlined is the polite way of putting it. Uh, Not nearly as many side stories. It's only fifty as opposed to a hundred. All of those things, I think, actually work out in the game's benefit for the most part. Uh, It is a much more focused game. Uh, The sub-stories in Yakuza 0, as fun as they were, they were also very superfluous. Uh, Sometimes you would gain like a a real estate agent to help out with that big minigame, but a lot of times you wouldn't. You would only get a CP point. Uh, I, I, for, I forget even what that was called. I might have just done the ATM machine thing, but whatever, which you could use to unlock abilities. Uh, Yakuza 6 makes it a point that you earn five different experience points uh, through combat, through social interactions, through sub-stories, and all five of those experience types uh, upgrade Kiryu, and you upgrade every aspect of Kiryu from his, his base attack damage to his defense to new heat moves. All of that stuff is great, and they feed into the systems a lot better but there's uh there's dart throwing and there's uh the baseball mini game there isn't uh quite as much there isn't the dancing mini game which was kind of a bummer there isn't uh the oh, he's an older man well yes he is older. <laughs> he's, <a fair. laughs> he's still very spry though he's still very spry he kicks the shit out he's of in his people. 50s old kid <laughs> he, he beats up a lot of people um so it is a pared down game and and Camarocho itself is a little bit smaller some sections of it have been closed off it is very clear to me that they put the focus on the new engine and really making the game look great i think it controls a hell of a lot better it's a lot more uh physics based but when it comes to like combat you don't have nearly as many combat options you only have one base style it's very fleshed out but you only have one base style and not a whole lot of heat moves so there there isn't a whole lot of uh stuff sprinkled on top to give the game a a lot of personality, which is probably going to piss a lot of people off. At the same time, I think the game tells a very personal story that by the end, it is a very satisfying end to Kiryu's story. It wraps up a lot of loose ties. Uh, It's very, well, it's kind of weird to say it wraps up loose ties. It wraps up his main story arc, but a lot of side characters like Majima is not in this game. He's in the starting cutscene and he's in the ending cutscene, and I never ran into him over the course of the game. That's going to tick some people off, but it's about a storyline centered around Kiryu and him being a dad and what it means to be a dad and letting go and letting your, your children kind of grow up. And it's very heartfelt in that regard. But I think people looking for the outlandish craziness of Yakuza zero, they might be a little disappointed with this. Um, and then the other problem is, that, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that theme sounds especially resonant for you at this point in your life, Rob. Uh, yes, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, and so I, it's definitely a dad game, the way that like Witcher 3 was a dad game or The Last of Us was a dad game. I think that's really cool. Um, it also is casting a huge spotlight on some of the series' problems. Uh even though it's a brand new engine, I found myself incredibly frustrated with some of the boss fights toward the end of the game. It, it's just not fun to fight an enemy that doesn't 
uh, play fair. It's not fun to fight an enemy that, you know, you hit once and then they break through your combo and take away half your health bar and now you need to suck down a health potion. And when I pointed that out on a previous episode, you know, Fenner said, well, that's Yakuza. And I'm like, yes, I agree. With I'm you, not excusing it. It is exactly. a very infuriating it's, part it's, of the series. Exactly. And I, it, and I, we're both not excusing it. Like, I love yeah. these games and I'm going to hate play their them. boss battles. They're so bad. Yeah, they're terrible. Like they're, they're God awful. There's a couple that are actually pretty good because they're easy. Like I was able to beat them and it felt satisfying because I was able to get through on my own skill and it wasn't just, oh, I need to power through this. Uh, I don't like the way the game handles the the new heat gauge. Uh, you basically go Super Saiyan and it kind of doesn't feel very good where you just wail on an opponent and you end up taking more damage because they start wailing on you and you start wailing on them and it, it's not based around a lot of like interactions with the environment the way the Yakuza 0 was, but it is a fun game. I really did enjoy it. I think I would probably say Yakuza 0 was a better game overall. Uh, but this is focused, it's fun, and it lays a lot of the groundwork for uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2 uses the same engine. That's a remake of Yakuza 2. Really hope we get that in the West. And then the new Fist of the North Star game is also using the same engine. So um, It's not using this engine. The Fist of the North Star game, oddly enough, is using the Zero engine. Is it really? Yeah, it is. No, I'm shocked to hear that. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Um, they they put out a press wow. release about it and explained why. And they wow. well ex- explained why it was a pretty mealy mouth. Like, yeah, well, we just thought it would suit this style of game better. Okay, well, I don't even put one over on Maybe me there. Well. I I mean, I I still really like Yakuza Six, but I think a lot of I think you're going to have some fan backlash on it because Yakuza Zero was so insane and so over the top. But I think this but that was like a parody of the '80s. Right, right. Um, and and but I think this game does a lot of things better. Like the the whole upgrade system is better. It's not just dumping money into uh into your various skill trees, some of which are just completely useless. Like you know, I I don't think you need to upgrade uh Majima past the breaker stance. Like that that just ends up destroying everything in the game. So why would you do anything else? Um, the real estate mini game was fun to collect money, but it was also kind of just there whereas the hostess club was way more fun this game has uh the baseball mini game which i got really addicted to because it's it's super fun to level up your guys and it's very passive it's a passive baseball mini game but it uses the touchpad in a really unique way which was fun but then there's the clan building game that they've put front and center and that is just not good like it's a reverse tower defense game that just doesn't have any strategy above press x over and over again to put more guys on the screen it's it's really weird like it doesn't it's it's not a good mini game at all when there's you know the dart throwing mini game is really fun and i found very enjoyable and it's always fun to watch kiryu sing karaoke and that's fun but like the clan builder game i'm like this is a half finished idea that isn't very fun so you know, my score for the game is based on the story and the overall fun that I had with it, but there are a lot of things in it that do feel a little half-baked. It, it feels like it was maybe rushed to completion a little bit. I want to ask, yes. how is the Hiroshima section? It's good. It's very sparse. It's really pretty. It's very pretty, but it's very sparse. Uh, there's there are stories it, much the same way that you have in Kamarocho, where there's like uh, there there's all the side stories to do all around the area. 
there isn't a whole lot of interaction outside of that. There's only a couple of shops. There's a bar that you can hang out in and meet people, which is really cool. That gives you more charm, which is like the one experience mm-hmm. point that you're going to need above all others. Uh, but there really isn't a whole lot to it. Like there aren't a lot of mini games there. And then this is the biggest kick in the balls that this series needs to get over. When Because your location is based on where you are in the story, even if I was having a really good uh, time in that Hiroshima section, I may be forced to go back to Kamarocho for hours and can't mm. go back. And that was a really big problem in Yakuza 0, but you could justify it a little bit because, well, now you're playing Majima, and Majima has the Hostess Club, and now you're playing Kiryu, and he has the real estate minigame. So you're going back and forth, but instead it's like, oh, well, I really want to do some dart throwing, but now I'm in Hiroshima and I can't go back. Mm. Mm. So it's a weird game. I think overall it's satisfying. I like the story. It has beat Takeshi in it, which already earns it like 10 points. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it, you can tell that the focus was on the engine. Let's let's use let's make this engine and use it to make more Yakuza games down the road. And they're already hinting at what comes after Yakuza Kiwami 2. So yeah, I think it's good. I think it's overall very fun, but I think some people that maybe started up with zero might be a little disappointed with this one. To um to all of our New Japan pro wrestling fans out ah. there, there's a tie-in with New Japan where there's like an entire gang of uh of uh, wrestlers who've lent their likenesses and voices, yeah. I believe. Rainmaker. I hear Rainmaker over and over again. Uh <laughs> It, that's but that's tied into the clan me game which is just not is it? it's okay. not a fleshed out thing it it's it really sucks because i was i was hoping that that mini game was going to become like my hostess club where i was going to get like really really into it and really enjoy it uh but it just isn't it it's like just it, it's like one step up from fort condor from final fantasy 7 like oh no <laughs> it's just, it's just really weird. Like, I don't understand why this is in the game and it's not fun. And I have to do this how many times? Like, no, no. Um, so yeah, Yakuza 6 is, is a good game. I think play it for the story, play it for uh, the, the great characterization. It's got some really good moments. Some of the boss fights are really fun. Uh, some of them are extremely aggravating. Uh, but it it ended on a high note. Like, it really stuck the landing. And that's all I'm going to say on that. It's a good closure to Kiryu's story. Very enjoyable. Know. Yeah, yeah. And it's... You know, they have built up quite a stable of like alternative protagonists as well with all the characters they introduced in four and five. So I guess they could like I would like to see them wrap up Kiryu's story and have this be a finale. And then like I yeah, where they go next, they could go in any direction, really. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think that could be very freeing for them. And then it also gives them a chance to play with new systems and play with new mini games. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to see how much has been added to Kiwami 2 based on where they were at the end of Yakuza 6. The original 2 is really, really good. I mean, it's probably super clunky by today, but yeah, I would like to see uh, a modern take on that. So do you think that they'll continue to make Kiwamis, basically? Or do you think they'll go from Kiwami 2 into, you know, whatever comes next for the Yakuza series, whether it's 7 or, you know, Yakuza Yakuza Future, Yakuza Bloodlines, Rise of the Yakuza Shadow? <laughs> Chronicles Origins. Uh, Chronicles um, Origins X. 3 uh, through 5 kind of hold up. It's 1 and 2 that were the rough ones that needed remakes. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where they will go. I mean, you know, it, it's hard to say because if they like money, they might just make three four and five again but those are pretty accessible which which one you can't 
you can't get three digitally on PlayStation three, which sucks. Like that's, that's a weird, mm. like you go on the PlayStation store and it says uh disc only. And I'm like, right. oh, really? Like, come on. But four and I thought five, that they added it after five came out. I don't think I checked the store like last week. Okay. So I was thinking about like, Ooh, do I want to just get all these for the PlayStation three and just do this? Like that thing's still running upstairs in my bedroom. I might as well. Um, but no, it's, it's three is hard to get a hold of, which kind of sucks. Uh, I'm hoping we get a Kiwami two announcement at E3. I think that would be a really good thing to see. And then that mm-hmm. fist of the North star game for the love of God, please. Oh yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, well, I want to shake that martini so fast. Yeah. And he's got his own <laughs> hostess club, which I think is hilarious. Um, but yeah, some of the, the crazier aspects of zero didn't make it into six and it's a stronger game for it, but it's also, you know, probably going to let some people down, but I I'd say you would enjoy it. it. It's fun. And, uh, it's also a little bit easier to get through the cutscenes. where like, remember in zero, it just, it felt like, okay, I get it. We need to go. We need to go. You're telling me the same thing over and over again. You can skip through a lot more dialogue in Yakuza six, which helps with the pacing a lot. Uh, every well, having to that. skip through dialogue that doesn't it sounds but, like it still has a big pacing problem but like, you just... don't have to sit there and let the guy say everything like you get the subtitle right away and you can oh, read it. Yeah, like, yeah. okay next right, skip okay. skip yeah. skip let's go let's go let's go i did the same thing in witcher 3 like as good as the voice acting was at some point i'm like okay i i i, I get it let's keep going here a little bit and so it's well paced in that regard it's also a little shorter than yakuza zero which is probably a good thing i think you could have cut out like three or four chapters from yakuza zero and it would have been a better game Fair. But no Fair. Majima. That is a that is a bummer. I, I didn't like playing as Majima, but I liked him, which is weird. I didn't like his gameplay style, but I loved his character and, and him not being in the game is a little bit of a bummer. But again, you yeah. get beat Takeshi. <laughs> Who apparently throws a baby. He does throw a baby. <laughs> he full on why, why wouldn't he? He full on forward laterals a baby in the middle of a cutscene. I need to I need to look this up. You said it's in a trailer, right? <laughs> it's in the trailer. It is. And also be careful with that because there are some major story reveals that okay, first off, they shouldn't be story reveals because if I have to explain to you who the bad guy is in the game, you're an idiot. Uh, that was a little harsh. I apologize for that. But like, it's pretty obvious who's going to make a turn in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, there, there are things in the cutscenes that just flat out spell out who's the bad guy. I'm like, oh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, beat Takeshi throwing a baby. That That is definitely a thing that happened. Uh, is his name Totohirose? Uh, yes. Okay. I'll uh, watch this later. Let's move away from Yakuza 6 and move into uh, something Silver Case related, Fenner, right? Yes. Um, Ooh, I, I've been wanting to learn about the gender binary for quite a while now. Oh what? my god. Please <laughs> tell me more about that. What? Uh, okay, the Twenty Fifth Ward, the Silver Case. Um, this is the sequel to uh, the Silver Case, the first game that Grasshopper put out in 1999, which was released uh, a year and a half ago, and then a year ago on uh, PC and consoles. Derek, I think you have a copy of the Silver Case. I do. You, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> you haven't played it yet. Am I the only person here who played that first game? I think so. Uh, I guess Rickets. so. I I really like Killer Seven a lot. Um, I uh, yeah, I think Killer Seven might actually be a one-off. <laughs> I think maybe <laughs> Suit is not so good. Uh oh, somebody's gonna be mad at me. Trouble in Paradise. Um, I liked that first game at the time. Uh, it is a very—I hesitate to call it an adventure game. It's not quite a visual novel. It's an incredibly um, opaque and hard to penetrate. Um, 
yeah, mix of like a visual novel and an adventure game where you're given like commands and verbs, but you almost never use them. And playing the first silver case, I thought that maybe this was like a, a, a um, commentary or a uh, satire, but playing the second game and seeing it do pretty much the exact same thing in terms of um, here's a bunch of interactivity to not interact with this uh, with with this game, I think maybe it's maybe it's just an oversight, and and he didn't really know how to make this game. But Twenty Fifth Ward, it was originally a uh, Docomo mobile phone game in uh, two thousand five, uh, released episodically every couple of weeks. Uh, so it's very interesting to see that it got a PC a, a PC and console port and an English localization. Um, I was thrilled to play it, um, and I think. Now that I've played through it, um, the review should be up on the site very soon. Um, it kind of actively harms my memories of the first game, and like I don't mean, I don't mean like, oh man, you you know you ruined my memories. It's just like, oh, actually, um, maybe what I thought was satire before is actually like a deep uh, seated um, problem with uh, women and trans women and gay people uh oh, and it's all Ew. it's all a bit mm, okay this is actually super toxic um oh, so it's so, like you thought it was satire and it's like oh that's what he actually thinks this isn't parody this is just legitimately his spouting his ideas oh well the thing is i think it it gives me the impression that it definitely comes from a place of ignorance um rather than hatred and i think it's relying on like tropes and stereotypes in japanese culture rather than um you know it's it's not like it's not like dave chappelle going off on on caitlin jenner in his latest um in his latest stand-up routine it's just um it's tired and it's expected um so we got three stories here um you can play them in any order. Um, I found out the hard way that this game will make no sense unless you play like chapter one, chapter one, chapter one, chapter two, chapter two, chapter two. I did each story in its entirety and it almost made no sense until I finally played that third story. Um, so there's a three-sided conflict here. There's the new heinous crimes unit who are a bunch of like violent fascist cops uh, who go around and solve violent crimes by killing everybody in their way um they've got their own story where they're investigating murders uh and then there's the regional adjustment bureau they are (laughs) they're basically the same thing uh they run the post office and they're government sanctioned hitmen who go around and you know find out why people are acting violently and then kill them um and then there's yeah yeah. just like them (laughs) And then the third story is um, a continuation of Tokyo Morishima's story from the first game, who is this freelance journalist who's gotten in over his head. And um, he mostly just like sits around in his houseboat and reads emails. And much like the first game, Tokyo Morishima's story is the most interesting of the three. Um, But this game really gave me pause uh, about halfway through the heinous crimes unit story um, where there's there's a chapter where one of the main characters, he's a cop named Shiryabu, um, he is beset, he, he's had a hit put on him, and he's beset by seven assassins, a la Killer Seven, but none of them really have any personality. And this starts out kind of cute. Like, every time he goes to use an ATM, 
uh, his card gets rejected and that summons a hitman behind him to give him a hard time. And then you have to do like this parody of an RPG battle where you, you know, just kind of flail and put in random commands and you either get shot and have to do it again or, um, or you succeed. And then it gives you like, you know, you, you leveled up and, um, gives you a bunch of meaningless stats. Um, it's kind of funny. It's also kind of annoying. Um, some of them get really puzzly, and I was tempted to reach out to the um, uh, to the uh, uh, developers at one point to figure out how to pass one of them because um, it seemed that trial and errory. Um, but halfway through these assassins, a female assassin appears, and um, your uh, your command uh, to engage her in battle is get horny. At which point, you get a text description of Shiryabu. Uh, jumping on top of the woman and thrusting until she cries, and what? then you get you get a level up from that, and you have neutralized her. Cool. Oh, God. Huh. Wow. All right, well, and I uh... was talking I was talking to some fans of the game about this, and they're like, "Oh, well, you see, it's like a metaphor for him turning into a monster, but it's not because he becomes." Not to give too much away, he becomes like this martyr, godlike figure who ends up saving the day in the end after you know after just nonchalantly raping a woman in an RPG battle. So how, how is that a metaphor for yeah. I, I don't understand. You're literally a monster if you do that. Oh exactly. yeah, you are. Yeah. Um so this game is a mess. Um sorry, is that what you have to do to win? You have to do that. There's no other option. Uh-huh. There is no other option uh-huh. if you okay, n- never playing yeah. this. Nope. Yeah, no, don't bother. Um and you know even after that, like every single female character dies violently. So Okay, Suda. I mean, I've played enough of your games to notice that you really have some mm, <sighs> misogynist tendencies, if nothing else. I think he's very influenced by, like, you know, directors like Dario Argento and um, Fulci and, you know, this kind of video nasty uh, giallo horror. Um, and I think it's it's just endemic of, like, you know, nastiness in development and in pop culture and especially in Japanese pop culture. So um, I'm, I was very excited to go into this game and I'm so happy that I'm done with it because this has been just a cringeworthy nightmare from start to finish. And then, so it sounds like in the beginning you were explaining why it's not really that fun on a mechanical level and that it's oh, just it's sort of like an awkward bumbling adventure game, which, you know, if anything, you should be able to wring some interesting story out of, but even then it's kind of like, hmm. They have rendered an 80-floor apartment building, uh, and they kind of task you to just kind of bumble around every single floor until you find somebody who you can talk to. Um, it's, uh, oh, it's a scene. It's a real scene. And most of the doors, you knock and nobody answers. Fun. Yeah. So I have not had fun with the silver case. I would say, like, uh, I'm <laughs> avoid. <laughs> Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it, this- it makes you think too, because when you first hear about it, you go, "Okay, why did they, you know, years ago put the sequel on mobile phones and it's this obscure thing?" And it there's a few other games I think have done that. Maybe not as obscure as a mobile game, but you're like, "I wonder why this never came out here." Oh, hmm. uh, yeah. Do we? The localization's weird too. It uses a lot of ableist slurs. It's very uncomfortable. Hmm. Damn. 
Not good. So I'm, I'm like, I'm morbidly curious to try uh, the silver case, which I have since I already bought it and everything. But um, uh, it's definitely not as objectionable. It's it's still pretty. It's not great socially. It's really not great. Um, and you know, as I said, I'm starting to worry that maybe the stuff that I thought was made in jest is maybe not quite as in jest as I thought it was. Kind of gotcha. sounds. It, it kind of sounds like a uh, To Kill a Mockingbird scenario, where like the sequel to that book kind of ruined Atticus Finch and it's like maybe we just don't acknowledge that second one like well she didn't want it released either she was right. very very clear that she, she never wanted it to come out yeah she yeah. probably was like oh dear god what have I done it's like uh, well, they then, put it out after she died didn't they yeah they did it was gross ah that's a shame it, so what's the next thing from Suda is it uh, the No More Heroes 3 on Switch it's not 3 it's Travis Strikes Again which is like he get Travis and Badman get sucked into the death drive from Let It Die and they have to like play through six like uh, retro style mini games to get out can we and they're still hoping to do a No More Heroes 3 after that apparently can we just get Suda's style and he just designs like the world and then somebody else makes the game uh yeah, that happened. That's been every game since No More Heroes that he puts his name on, but he hasn't directed. And, you know, Shadows you know, of the Dam wasn't terrible. Kind of was. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was my big boner. Yes, but that like was unbearable. It, it at least played like a video game. Taste my big boner, didn't? That was like the worst part no, of the that game. No, sec- that that section was terrible. But like the 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 Resident Evil Four style combat was competent. I'll tell you when I when I I put down Shadows of the Damned when uh I started the f- fifth chapter oh, and I got thrown into an extremely difficult combat arena and then I you know I ran around I died a bunch and then I finally completed it and the game glitched out and didn't open the door um oh, yeah, so I was happen. just stuck in a room with dead monsters and boss music playing and that is when I sold that game. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, but like that that game wasn't terrible. Maybe maybe. Right. I just remember it's sort of having like Resident Evil 4 copy syndrome. Yes. Yeah. It, was, it was definitely during that period of time where like Resident Evil 4 made money. Let's all make money. And uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, but that, that game was also a really weird one with a troubled history. That was yes. meant to be an RPG based on Franz Kafka's The Castle. Yep. yep. Um, and then like they just couldn't get the money to do it. And then EA forced them to retool it. Apparently Suit has gone on record saying that like he's very heartbroken out of what that game was in the end. And it was also weird, like, oh, we got uh, uh, Suda, we got Shinji Mikami, and we got um, the the music guy from uh, Silent Hill. Yamaoka. Thank you, I always drop that name. But, like, it was being directed by an Italian dude that they just never mentioned. Like, they were yeah. like, yeah, these three guys are making a game, and this Italian guy who made yeah. uh, 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 some movie games, and it he, was... He did Murasaki Baby on Vita after after that, but... He has also spoken very negatively on his time working on that game. I think mm-hmm. because they just, you know, he, he was just revealed on, you know, when in, in the in the credits rather than actually having, you know, his uh, heavy involvement mentioned in any of the promotional materials. That's the game I said wasn't going to come out. I, I just I got there because we were talking about EA and we were talking about uh, Shadows of the Damned. I don't think Anthem comes out. That's the one oh, I was thinking about oh, in the pre-show. Yeah. I don't think that yeah, game it might comes not. out. 
I sort of wonder myself. Yeah. That trailer was not gameplay. Like F U E A. That was not gameplay. That was a concept video at E3. No way. And now the lead writer has left for a second time. <laughs> yeah. Here. Yeah. Anthem. Anthem ain't coming out. Like that. That, that game just ain't. That game, now, that game. you you know it'll come out. Whether it'll be good or finished, we don't know. But it, no, I don't, they will I, release it. I honestly don't think it's released. I honestly they're still don't. they're still talking about it when they're discussing like when they when they basically leaked that they're doing another Dragon Age game. They said that Anthem is still going to come out before that. So yep. Scalebound came out, right? Oh, I don't <laughs> trust anything anymore. Duke I, I really, Nukem Forever came out, Rob. It sure. did. It that, that is. Did. That is true. Last Guardian did come out. That is Persona true. Five came out. Persona Five did come out. <laughs> Final Fantasy Fifteen came out. Heck yeah! I'm not saying you have to like any wait, of these wait, things. No, I'm just but, saying that they wait, did wait. get released in some form. Wait, wait. Did Final Fantasy Fifteen come out, or was it just a demo out. for it's, a game that took another two years? We all went in a dream. Or, or did it take another two years to come out? Coming out every day. It's Inception. Wake up, Rob. Yeah, yeah. there it's, is a box you can buy that says Final Fantasy Fifteen on it. So. True. Whether you like what's inside or not is up to you. <laughs> it's less of a game and more of like a, a continued experience, like a series of emotions that you paid for, and then you paid for again, and then one more time on top of that. <laughs> it's like a what not to do in game development. It's like a yeah. compilation of Final Fantasy VII. That's what it is. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't hate fifteen. That was worse. Man. Oof. Oof. Rough. Oy vey. Uh, so the silver case avoid is what we're saying. No, mm, a hard pass on that one. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Oh well, maybe Suda will make something. I mean, I love the aesthetic in. Uh, uh, in God, what was that free PS4 game? Ah, let it die. Uh, let let it it die. die. I love the aesthetic of that game, but just the fact that it is a. Yeah, it's a, actually on that note, um, Silvercase War Twenty Five audiovisual aesthetic. Mwah. Uh soundtrack is amazing. Maybe pick that up. It's. Oh, um, okay. a, Akira Yamaoka, Masafumi Takada, and the uh, audiovisual artist Bayon all working together. Okay. And Masafumi Takada is the one who did Danganronpa, right? Correct. Okay. There you go, Rob. There's your endorsement. Yep, there it is. Uh, uh, Let It Die is getting a Killer7 uh, tie-in in April or May. So I'm thinking about firing that back up for that. I remember my buddy trying to convince me that uh, Killer Seven was good, and I tried playing it, and I was like, "No, it's Killer, really good." I think I think Killer Inter- excuse me, Killer Seven is like interesting and weird and like artsy in a way that sure. a lot of games at the time weren't. Um, not to be pretentious about it or anything, I just think it's like it's it's weird as hell. It's not like you know, an arcade game that you jump into and you're like, "Oh man, I love this. Sure. I'm going to recommend it to all my friends and family." I just think it's like a bizarre experience that's worth playing and yeah I think it's definitely uh, his the high point of his di- directorial uh oeuvre i i appreciated it as a piece of art but in terms of gameplay i was like meh like hard pass like yeah, it's, it's all right yeah turn turn the game to easy and that way i can just experience the craziness like that would have been fine but i just found the combat frustrating in that game it just wasn't yeah. very interesting so any that gets to a whole conversation about like does a game have to be fun? Oh, I don't want to get into that conversation. Nope. No, it does not. No, that's why I like your way. Me. You'll never have to talk about that. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, I guess it's time to talk about that. Uh, I have decided to retire from RPG fan 
So, uh, yeah, this is going to be my last podcast. Uh, Yakuza 6 was my last review. It's just, uh, it is time. It has been nine freaking years on this website, which was really wild to think about the other day. And, uh, you know, my life is getting busier and busier these days with my my job. Uh, You know, I want to make sure that I'm still devoting enough of my time to my students, to my wife and all of that. And we have an exceptional staff here at RPG Fan that is super hungry to get in front of things. And, you know, if I'm not producing the way I should be, I should take a step back and let other people step up to the plate and do more. And so... Uh, the plan right now is for Random Encounter to continue, and Derek is going to be taking over hosting duties. Yeah, there it is. Um, I'm not intending to make any huge shakeups to the show necessarily, at least not yet. Um, I do want to gather feedback from people. I'll probably make a few tweaks here and there, but um, Random Encounter will continue unabated as you know it, possibly a little bit more consistently. We'll see. Yeah, that's um, that's part of the reason I'm leaving. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it it just is like, it, you know, time. It was hard to find time to do it. It was hard to find time just to play video games these days. Like uh, the only reason Yakuza 6 got done for review so quickly is because I was on spring break. And so, like, yeah. I, I had the time to really devote to it. But just finding a few minutes to play video games these days is really difficult. Yeah. And, and, and we have so many new additions to the site that I want them to you know, take on more responsibilities and do more. And if I'm just being the old guy that's hanging out in the back, not doing a whole lot, well, time to get out of their way and let them, uh, let them do their thing. So, uh, but with that being said, I would still like to have you pop in now and then I know we're going to have you on our, our staff, you know, Slack that we talk in, um, so we can ping you there or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I know that you're retiring, but I I would love to still have you on the show sometimes. Um, yes, absolutely. And maybe twice a year. I don't know. Oh, jeez. And we can uh, well, introduce him as a special guest. I know. It'll be, uh, we can introduce me as from software expert Robert Steinman. Wow. <laughs> when it comes time to talk about whatever the hell they're making next. Uh, yeah. that, is, that is my one request for everybody who is going to E3. Whatever the hell they're showing, if there is swag, you will please get it for me. Yeah, sure. I would like to say um, to all of our listeners, um, all four of you, I uh, would really appreciate if you would give us... We're here. Yeah, we're all here, actually. I just listened to the show back to myself when I'm at the gym. Uh, No, I I would love to get some... um, If you have any messages for Rob Steinman as he's departing, please send that my way. I'm Derek at RPGFan.com, just D-E-R-E-K at RPGFan.com. Um, if you want to send me some farewell messages to Rob, any sentiments you want me to pass along about how he's like a total idiot or yeah. if you love him or whatever, <laughs> um, go, you know, let us know, let me know if you have any specific um, wants that you've wanted to see addressed on random encounter for a while, like a particular section or a format uh, restructuring or something. I will at the very least read what you say. I promise. I I can't promise to implement anything necessarily. We'll see. It all depends on time constraints and feasibility. But, you know, I'm, I'm open to hearing some feedback. So going forward, I don't want to do anything to sort of tarnish the legacy that Rob has created. And I have been here pretty much since the beginning. But I know that um, Rob is a unique voice and he can't be replaced. So uh, I hope you look forward to a random encounter from from now until whenever it ends up closing up shop, which hopefully won't be for many, many years. So thank you all for listening. And I hope to uh, do you justice. 
God, I just I just got a letter, Derek. It's from some, I think it's Caitlin A. It's yelling at me for not liking Xenoblade Two over and over again. And there's just a lot of, oh God. Lot of swear words. Please don't don't do this. <laughs> I want to remember you as you were in One Piece. <laughs> but that is, but that is who I am. Uh, but yeah, I I very much enjoyed uh, my time on the site, and this is just a little message for anybody who is thinking about uh, getting into video games, either on the production side or on the opinion side. Uh, just freaking try it. Um, the only reason I'm on this site at all, or the only reason I was on this site, was because just one day in grad school, I saw that RPG Fan had a hiring drive. I had just gotten done playing Demon Souls. And I just wrote up my thoughts on it and sent it in as just a eh, let's see if they'll if they'll bite and uh, to to everyone's uh, great disservice they did and and I've been here ever since but it's just you know try it and we've had people go on to actually work in the industry in one way or another I think that getting onto a website like that like this is a huge growth opportunity uh it teaches you how to write it teaches you how to meet deadlines it teaches you how to interview people and produce and that's something you know exceptional and you know we have people who are twitch streaming now on the website which is absolutely amazing i never thought we'd get there uh retro encounter is now a juggernaut that i am afraid of every day and that that's something (laughs) that's you know we we've uh, whole new games have been brought uh to the website so it's just a really really awesome thing that i think if you want to grow as an individual definitely try something like this i think it can it can work out in a big way and you know uh just keep doing it and give it a shot if you can so that that was my little teachable moment there which feels oh, thanks professor steinman and not professor it's just mr steinman I, i'm not i'm not going all there so uh i guess this is going to be the last sign off huh for me so uh for Derek, for Caitlin, for Salbato, for Fenner, and uh, for me, for the last time, uh, we will see you all later.